1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and Proverbs chapter 20, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and Proverbs chapter 20. And we've been talking about how to hear God, how to hear God. And we started off talking about having ears to hear. Jesus said, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. In fact, that's numerous times in the in the Bible, in the New Testament. And every time it shows up, it was Jesus that said it. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then we talked about preparing your heart to hear. How we need to prepare our hearts to hear. And then we talked about how God speaks through his word. And then we talked about how God speaks through his spirit, the Holy Spirit. And today I want to talk to you about the voice of your spirit. The voice of your spirit. This is important. The voice of your spirit. Let's begin at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We've read this already, but let's read again verses 9 through 12. 1 Corinthians 2 verses 9 to 12. We'll read from the New King James Version. If you don't have the New King James Version with you, that's okay. There are a lot of good versions, but just for the sake of us reading aloud, if you can follow along on the screens, we'd appreciate it. Everybody together, let's just fill this atmosphere with the voice of God's Word today. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 to 12. Let's read. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Let's stop there. Let me read verse 11 again. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? So, this tells us two things. Number one, your spirit knows what's inside of you, and God's spirit knows what's inside of God. Now, of course, inside of God, God knows everything that's inside of you as well. So God is unlimited. God is all-knowing. We call Him omniscient. Omni, everything, all. And the omniscient part, that's the psyche. He knows everything. He has all knowledge. He has all wisdom. Omniscience. So God knows everything. Well, the Holy Spirit knows what's inside of God. So when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it could be anything. It could be about anything. He could give you a new invention. He could give you a solution to a puzzle, a a solution to a challenge you're facing. But your spirit now, notice it says, verse 11 again, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man? The man. What does that mean? Your own spirit knows what's inside of you. What man knows the things of a man? Well, in other words, how are you going to find out what's inside of you except through your spirit? How are you going to find out what's inside of you? But your spirit will show you. Notice again, for what man knows. So how are you going to know the things of a man except the spirit of the man, which is, notice these words, in him. Where is your spirit? It's in you. It's in you. Now, what do we mean by spirit? What do we mean by spirit? I think sometimes we get these things mixed up when we're talking about our soul and we're talking about our spirit. And sometimes when we're talking about our heart. Well, in my heart, 
I hear people all the time say, well, follow your heart. Let me tell you, after I've studied the Bible for many years, let me just give you some big advice right now. This is, this will help you. Whatever you do, don't follow your heart. I know that's revelation to some people, but the Bible said the heart is wicked above all things. There is stuff in your heart that will deceive you. There are things in your heart that will lead you astray. And the Bible does not teach us to follow our hearts. The Bible teaches us to be led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen to this. You follow your heart, it may seem right. In fact, Proverbs says in two different places, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. In other words, it seemed right to you inside, but the end was death. Your heart was telling you this is the right thing to do, but it's going to end up destroying. See, and so that's a worldly way of trying to tap into something that self-gratifies. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. But the Bible says, no, no, no. Follow the Lord. Follow the Lord. Follow His Word. Follow His Spirit. But don't follow yourself. Don't follow yourself. The knowledge of who you're called to be and what you're called to do and when you're called to do it is not inside of you. The knowledge of who you are and what your purpose is in life is inside of God. And so that's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding, what you think inside. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path, your paths. And so we need to trust God. God, we need to follow God and not our heart. But some people get confused between the spirit, the soul and the heart. And if we don't find out about these things, then we'll just always use them interchangeably. Well, I just felt in my heart. Or I just, you know, down in my soul. And we use these things and they're all inside. So how are we going to clarify the difference between our heart, between our spirit and our soul? Well, I'll tell you how we go back to God's word and we let God define it for us. Because God knows the difference between all of these things. So look here at, uh, excuse me, Hebrews chapter four. And let me read verse 12, very popular. But it says, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division, now notice, even to the division of soul and spirit. The word of God is so sharp that it can divide, and let's say it this way, it can distinguish between soul and spirit. The word of God is so sharp, clear, accurate, precise, that it can divide and distinguish between soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, I mean in your body, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So notice all three words are used in this one verse, soul, spirit, and heart. And there are three different Greek words. This is not the same word being translated three different ways. The word soul here is the Greek word suke, and it's talking about your mind, it's talking about your will and your emotions. That's your soul. The word for spirit is the Greek word pneuma, and we'll get back to talking about the spirit. And then at the end of the verse, the heart, the thoughts and intents of the heart, the heart. That's talking about, that's the word cardia, 
And that's where we get our, you know, the, the words cardiac and cardiology and all those words come from this word, cardia, cardia, that's the heart. So notice the Bible understands the difference between your heart, your soul, and your spirit. Now, once you just realize that, once you realize, well, look, the Bible understands God, the Holy Spirit wrote this and he understands the difference between the heart, the soul and spirit. Now that you understand that God understands the difference, when you read the Bible, don't read those words as if they're interchangeable. Read them as if God uses them very intentionally. So then you can begin to discern and understand things about the heart, the soul and the spirit. Now, let me give you an example of, of how we can read and discern things. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter is speaking to women, and he says in verse 3, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying, women, look, he's not telling women not to look beautiful. He's saying, but don't let your beauty, don't let what makes you a beautiful person just be the outside part. Let it be the inside. Let it be the inside. And so don't just focus on being beautiful outside. Be a beautiful person from the inside. This is what Peter is saying. So he goes on to say, let's read verses 3 and 4 together. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now I want you to notice, he, Peter's talking about one thing, but the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine. Second Timothy 3.16. And so, even though Peter's talking to ladies about letting their beauty be from the inside and not the outside, notice what he says again in verse 4. Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart. The hidden person of the heart. Well, if there's a hidden person of the heart, then that means there's a not so hidden person of the heart. Did you hear me? Let it be the hidden person of the heart. Well, the hidden person of the heart, that's your spirit. And he goes on to say, which is the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. The the hidden person of the heart. Well, you know, you can go today, if you're having problems inside, you can go today to a psychologist. You can go to a psychiatrist. Now listen to the words. Psychology. Psychiatry, right? Listen, it comes from the psyche. It's talking about the psyche part of you. And that psyche part of you, that intellect part of you, that mental part of you is part of the suke. All of that is the psyche and the suke. That all works together. And see, psychologists can find your suke. But they can't find your spirit. They can't find your spirit. First Corinthians chapter two says that the spiritual man is not discernible, but the natural man is discernible. The sukikos is what it says in first Corinthians chapter two. The sukikos man is able to be seen, but the pneumatikos man coming from the words uh, psyche and suke and pneuma for spirit, the spiritual man is not discernible. And so, psychologists are trained to be able to get in and, and understand things about your psyche and your soul, your emotions and all of that. But what they don't have the tools to do is to get in and, and check out your spirit. Because the spirit is the hidden person of the heart. 
But there is a way to discern your spirit. And what is that? The Word of God is living and powerful and sharp enough to distinguish between the soul and the spirit. So now you're not a person that's just thinking, well, inside, inside. Well, inside is more than just one thing. When you say the cardia, your heart, that's talking about, that's not talking about your blood pump. That's talking about the inside of you. The inside of you. Well, inside of your heart are two persons. Two persons. I'm not talking about different human beings. I'm saying two distinct beings inside. One is your soul. One is your spirit. And the spirit is the hidden person. And so it takes the word of God to show you what your spirit does in contrast or distinct from your soul. And so that's what we're studying today, how God uses our spirit to our advantage. How God uses our spirit to our advantage. Now, the Holy Spirit, here's something we have to understand. A believer's spirit, if you're a believer, if you're born again, a believer's spirit is like an ever-expanding born-again conscience. A believer's spirit, now not the soul now, a believer's spirit. When you get born again, it's your spirit that got reborn into God's family. Not your mind, not your emotions, not your will. See, that's why some people think, I don't think I'm saved. Why? Why well, didn't change? I cussed that guy out and I flipped that guy off. And this other guy, I cussed and flipped him off. I thought I was saved. Well, listen, your spirit saved, but your mind didn't get saved. Your mind's still thinking that old stuff. Your emotions didn't get saved. And guess what? Your body didn't get saved. That's why when you held your hand up, a certain finger rose to the top. It was natural, wasn't it? It was natural. I sometimes see people on their phones. You ever see this? And they're, they're doing their phones, except for they do it with the middle finger. And, and there's nothing wrong with doing it with the middle finger. But the way they hold their other fingers while they're doing it, you can just see it's a natural, you know, it just, it just, it, it, it just used to that position. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, did he see me? <laughs> I don't know who I saw, but I've just seen it before and it just looks natural. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It just looks natural. You know, there, there's something trendy right now. I've noticed some gals, they're, you know, they're painting their nails, but one nail is painted a different color. Have you noticed that? Well, at first I was looking and saying, man, they forgot to paint one of their nails. <laughs> I did. I thought, man, they need to pay attention. <laughs> well, then I saw some other knuckleheads doing it. I'm thinking everybody's lame today. <laughs> well, then they finally told me, no, that's in, that's in, you know. In what? <laughs> In what? And so then I was checking, which one did you, you know, paint? You know, are you painting the middle one a different color? And you just want to show, hey, look at the blue one, you know? <laughs> but it, thankfully it wasn't. <laughs> now don't ask, you're getting me off on all kinds of things now. <laughs> now. A believer's spirit is like an ever-expanding, born-again conscience. In other words, when you get born again, all of a sudden a conflict will start happening inside, 
and you'll start to feel bad about things that you didn't used to feel bad about. Anybody ever had that before? You didn't used to feel bad. You used to say all kinds of things, do all kinds of things, and all of a sudden you start feeling bad inside. Well, just know that feeling bad is good. No, it's bad. No, it's good. It's good that you're feeling bad because there's a part of you inside that really wants to be right with God. And so you need to know that conflict inside is a sign that you are indeed born again. And that born again spirit is an ever expanding conscience. In other words, things that even after you're saved, you don't feel bad about, you will. Because you don't know yet that that's wrong or you don't know yet that that is not pleasing to the Lord. Now, some people think that when you feel convicted inside, that that's the Holy Spirit convicting you as a believer. But here's what Jesus said in John chapter 16. And this is where we get that conviction of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 16, 8, and when he has come, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Notice again, verse 8. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. Notice it doesn't say he's convicting everybody of sins. He's convicting the world of sin, singular. And verse 9 says, of sin because they do not believe in me. Well, that's not a believer. That's an unbeliever. That's the world. And he's convicting them of the sin of not believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit was sent. And without that conviction, they're not drawn to God. They're not drawn to Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. But we've always thought that, well, if the Holy Spirit's convicting of sins, then that must be Him inside convicting me of my sins. Well, no, it says He's convicting the world, the unbeliever, of sin. Let me tell you, if it was the Holy Spirit convicting you of all your sins, you'd feel convicted all the time, Jack. Because there's so many things you don't even know you're doing, but He does, that are not pleasing to the Lord. No, that's not what the Bible says. He came to convict the world of sin so that they would know that they need to come to Jesus. But us, we're not convicted by the Holy Spirit of our sins, but we are convicted. But it's an ever-expanding conscience inside called the born-again spirit. And I want to show you how this worked. This is why I had you turn to Proverbs chapter 20. Look at verse 27. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 27. And the Bible says, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Notice again, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. So notice it uses the word spirit and it uses the word heart. And the Bible says that the spirit of man is the lamp, notice, of the Lord. So God placed our spirit inside of us so that he could use our spirit to search us out on the inside. And what does our spirit search out? It says the inner depths of his heart. Well, what else is in there besides your spirit? Well, your soul is, your mind, your will, your emotions, your motives, your intent. You remember we read in Hebrews 4.12, The word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intense motives of the heart. 
the word of God. The word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So notice your spirit is a lamp. That's what it says here. The spirit of a man is the lamp, the lamp, the lamp, not a lamp, the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. So God placed in us a spirit that he can use to search out everything going on in our hearts, all of our motives, all of our ways of thinking, our agendas, our deceptions, if they're there, everything, good, bad, wrong, the spirit, the spirit. So God uses your spirit to search out your whole heart, your whole heart, including your soul. Now listen to Psalm 119 verse verse 130. The entrance of your words, talking about God's words, the entrance of your words gives light. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The entrance of God's words gives light. So notice, your spirit is a lamp, but God's word is the light. You know, you can have a lamp at home, but if it's not plugged into the wall, you're not going to get any light out of it. Somebody said, that's a nice lamp. That's a nice lamp. Yeah. Can you turn it on? No. no we, we don't turn it on. <laughs> okay. So what is it just to sit there? Is it just for decoration? You know, a lamp ought to have some light. But if you don't have it plugged in to the outlet, you're not going to get any light out of that lamp. I don't care how expensive it is. I don't care how nice it is, how nicely designed it is or painted it is. You're not going to get any light out. Well, A spirit inside of a human being before you're born again. The Bible says we've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God. And so your spirit has been born again by God's word. When God's word came into you, light came that Jesus is the savior. Light came. And when you receive Jesus, the light continues to come in now every time you hear the Word of God. Every time you read the Word, every time you come and hear a great-looking pastor give a message, light comes. Light comes. And the rest of us, too, when we preach. Light comes. Light comes. So, your spirit is the lamp, but the Word of God is light. So think about this. When you're receiving light from your spirit, that's another way that God's leading you through His Word. Can you see that? That's another way that God's leading you through his word. But this, he does it, he routes it through your spirit. And light comes. Light comes. The entrance of your words gives light. So, the word of God, in a sense, if we could use the analogy of the lamp, serves like electricity. Now, have you ever had a dimmer switch in your house? A dimmer switch? And you know, if you have one of those round ones, those knobs... As you crank that thing up, you're releasing more electricity to the lights and the light gets brighter and brighter and brighter. Isn't that right? Well, let me ask you this. When the light gets brighter, that means that you can see more what? Clearly. Clearly. You know, in some venues like a theater or whatever, you know, I don't know if you've ever been and you had popcorn and you you dumped your popcorn or whatever and you thought, well, they'll clean it up afterwards. Well, you know what? Afterward, though... They turn all the lights on. Why? Because you don't know what's stuck up under those seats. Isn't that right? You don't know what people shoved under there or somebody dropped their wallet or whatever. 
And you've got to be able to see all of that. So after everybody walks out, they turn all the big lights on so they can see. Well, see, that's what happens when you get born again and then you begin to ingest God's word. You get into OSL. You begin to read the Bible and God's word comes in and the light gets brighter and brighter. Well, look, as it gets brighter, you start to see stuff shoved in the corner. Now, look, sometimes you smelled it, but you didn't see it. You know, something's wrong. Oh, man. Oh, man. What's going on? You knew something was wrong, but you didn't see it. Well, as the word of God gets brighter and brighter inside of your spirit, now you begin to see, oh, look right there. There was some pride there. There was some pride right there. I I didn't realize I was walking in pride, but I can see that's pride. Or there is the love of money right there. I didn't realize I had it, but there's the love of money. See, the word of God comes in, it brightens you up and you realize, oh man, I've been going after money more than going after the Lord. Or I've been walking in selfishness. That's selfishness. I haven't been treating my spouse correctly or I haven't been treating my boss or my colleagues correctly. See, as the light of God's word comes in, it's not the Holy Spirit convicting you. It's that light of the word of God that came in that showed you that that's not right. That's not love. That's not the right way to do it. That's not integrity. That's not honesty. And so the more of God's word that comes in and brightens up, the more you go, ew, ooh. And so what do you do? You confess your sin and he's faithful and just to forgive. In fact, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How do you know you sin? The word of God comes into your spirit and your spirit, like a lamp, uses the light of God's word to start looking around in your mind and in your will, in your motives and everything. He says, oh, look what I found right there. By the way, your soul doesn't like this at all. And your soul has attitude. Just know that. The attitude that you have does not come from your spirit. It comes from your soul. And your soul look over your spirit and say, shut up, put that light away. Man, I'm exposed over here. Yes, you are. The spirit, you know. Yeah, oh, look down there. Yeah, what do we got down there? Yeah. See, your spirit wants to be right with God. Your spirit wants to be right with God. But your soul wants to hold on to all that stuff. As stinky as it is. Oh, I mean, causing problems and everything else. (laughs) But But the spirit, see, through the word of God is bringing in the light that helps us, that helps us. Now, new believers, this is why new believers aren't convicted about some things that we are. Have you ever noticed some new believers, they start doing some things and we have to be careful. Look, we have to be careful that with new believers, we don't jump on their case. Hey, hey, hey. That's a sin. And, and all they hear from us is, here is sin, there is sin, everywhere sin, sin. <laughs> you know, we have to be careful because just because you're convicted of that doesn't mean they're convicted. Now listen, I'm not saying it's not a sin, but I'm just saying, give them a little time to get the light in there so that they can see what you're talking about rather than just putting the law on them. The law, the law, the law. We're, we're out from under the law. Thank God. See, under the law, whether you knew you were breaking it or not, you're dead. 
You're dead. You broke it. But under grace, thank God. Thank God. We're not, we're not having to measure up to be saved. And in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, God allows us time for the word of God to come in. And then we realize, oh, that's a sin. And then you can confess that and restore relationship. Uh, excuse me, fellowship. But we're always in relationship. Isn't that right? See, so let's watch it. That with new believers, we don't pounce on them and put them under the law because they don't have the light inside to discern that yet. And so we want them to do it because we told them it's wrong. That's the law. What we need to do is get them into discipleship and let the word of God begin to get brighter and brighter and brighter. And sure enough, they'll know. I remember when we were youth pastoring, pastoring David would know this. But uh, sometimes we'd you know, have these teenagers that would get saved and man, they'd be so excited about Jesus. And so we'd bring them up and say, go ahead, give a testimony. And sometimes I made the mistake of handing them the microphone and then they would start cussing and talking about how blankety blank good God is. (laughs) And then you're trying to figure out how to get that microphone back. This is bad. This is bad. Well, see, they didn't even realize they were saying it. They didn't even realize they were saying it. Well, do you think God's looking down at them? Don't you use that language in church. No, the Lord was pleased that they were excited they got saved. Isn't that right? It was the rest of us that were cringing. (laughs) Because see, the light that's in me, I know you don't say that. You don't talk like that. But they didn't know that yet. So we didn't get on their case. They don't you ever say that again. Everybody understand? See, and so if it was the Holy Spirit... Well, he knows everything wrong all the time and everybody would feel convicted equally. But it's not. It's your spirit that God speaks to you through and shows you by the light of his word. So it's still God speaking to you through his word, but he does it through your spirit. Through your spirit. Now listen to what James 4.17 says. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it's sin. Somebody said, I thought sin was sin. Well, it is, but you've got to understand that not everybody knows. And there are even some things that people have differences of opinion on, and Paul talks about that. One person says, you know, you don't ever eat meat that was offered to an idol. And Paul said, well, in reality, idol's not even real. Why are you going to waste the meat over a dumb idol? And so Paul said, do this. When you go to somebody's house, don't ask. Don't ask if it was offered to or not. Now, of course, that's not in our culture today. We don't have as much of that. But back in those days, some people had offered that meat to an idol, and then they would serve it for dinner. And Paul said, look, just don't ask. And if you don't ask, eat it. Because idols are nothing. But he said, if somebody feels convicted about it, he said, they shouldn't do it because that's a sin to them. See, so there are some things where it's not so much just a right or a wrong, but inside of a person, they would feel wrong if they did it. You shouldn't do it. Whatever's not of faith is sin, the Bible says. And so to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So until you know it's sin, it hasn't become sin to you yet. But one day you're going to be sitting in church and we open up and read a particular scripture And your eyes are going to be open. The light's going to come on on the inside. And you're going to go, "Mm, that's a sin. 
I didn't know that was a sin. And oh, it's a wonderful thing because your spirit inside is not going to condemn you. And God's not going to condemn you. But it just becomes like this. Like, hey, you know what? I can please God even more. I can please God even more. See, that's your spirit. You know what I love is people come into level one and all kinds of things are going on in their lives and we don't condemn them and tell them, you're, you're doing wrong. No, man, like the Bible says, we were all like that. And God's still working on all of us. Isn't that right? Anybody in here? I mean, you got, we still got issues, don't we? And he's, his grace is with us and he's working on us. But see, he speaks through his spirit. He speaks through his spirit. I remember... Years ago, I, uh, I had gotten some new shoes and I splurged. I got some shoes from Nordstrom. And uh, I, I think it may have been, I, I may not have ever done that before. And you know, uh, they weren't the most expensive that they had for sure. But it just, just anything on that rack <laughs> was more than what I was used to. But I liked them and so I got them and I was so proud of them and such. Well, one day I was walking out in the parking lot at church, not this church. This was another church I was working at, uh, walking out in the parking lot. And, uh, I went to step over one of those parking curbs, those concrete bump, you know, uh, bumpers there. And I stepped over and when I was bringing my back foot over, I didn't lift it up high enough and right on that front part of the shoe, you know, the nice shiny part right there. I just put a nice concrete scrape right across it like that. I mean, just had it a couple of weeks. <laughs> I looked down, you know, I wanted to cuss at myself. Stupid. What's the matter with you? Pick your foot up, bonehead, you know, and all that stuff. You know, my shoes, my shoes, you know. So anyway, so I polished them and did everything I could. There was no way that thing was too deep. There was no way that that wasn't going to show. You know, it wasn't horrible, but you, you know, you know it. You know it. Well, you know, time went on. Some months went on and such. Well, after a while, the seam on the side of the shoe began to come undone. And so I said, man, these are not even a year old. And so I took them back to Nordstrom and I said, hey, the the seam's coming out here on the side. He goes, oh, yeah, that shouldn't happen. He said, "Okay, what would you like us to do? And he said, uh, are you familiar with our policy? I said, well, well what is it? He said, uh, our, uh, our policy is, you know, absolute uh, customer service or, you know, pleasing our customers. So you, you, would you like us to repair them or replace them? Now, instantly, <laughs> my lightning fast mind began thinking, I'm more excited about getting rid of the scratch then fixing the side of that thing. And so I was just about ready to blurt out. Well, if you don't mind, replacing them would be better. And, and some voice inside of me said, you know, that's not right. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> I could have been labeled schizophrenic right there. I mean, shut, shut up. <laughs> Just something inside. Because, see, 
the, the, the repair was really easy to make. It was not going to be a tough repair to, to make and such. But I wanted to say replace them, not because of the repair, but because of what I did to that shoe. And then here's what's coming up inside of me. Now, if you had a business, would you want people to take advantage if it's really not about that side issue? It's really about something else that you did. Would you want somebody to take advantage of that? No, I wouldn't want that. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't want that. I had another voice come up inside of me. The man said he'll do whatever you want. Just tell him to replace it. <laughs> and so I stood there and he's looking at me like waiting for me to give an answer. And I'm hearing voices. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now listen, that wasn't the Holy Spirit telling me you need to just get them repaired. That was my spirit with the light of God's word. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I knew what they were responsible for was only a minor repair. But this is an opportunity. And I don't want to pass it up. See, that's, that's the way the flesh is. That's the way the world is. Take every opportunity for yourself. To take advantage. Get the best end of the deal. But see... In the kingdom, that's not the way God is. This kingdom is a different kingdom. For God so loved the world, what? That he gave. This is a giving kingdom, not a taking kingdom. Not a taking advantage kingdom. Now, if the man would have said, you know what, I'm just going to replace him. Then that would have been different. But he put it over in my court. I believe the Lord was using this to work on me. And to teach me. And so finally I said, just repair him. And he said, you sure? Yep, yep, just go ahead and repair them. And I walked out crying. <laughs> no, I didn't, but... <laughs> you, know what I, you know what I did, though? I walked out believing in my heart that I'm being pleasing to the Lord and just not wanting to take advantage. Listen, and even if it wasn't, and it wouldn't have been taken advantage, I just want to make sure that I'm right with God. I just want to make sure that I'm like Him. And plus, faith says, look, man, God will get me another pair of shoes anyway. Amen. I'm not looking to some company to give me a new pair. I'm looking to the Lord to take care of me. Praise God. Praise God. So, see, you'll hear other voices inside sometimes. And your, your soul, your mind, your will inside, those motives that are selfish, you'll also hear those things come up. But the Holy, excuse me, but your spirit will be speaking and reminding you of what you've learned from God and his ways, the way he is. Let me give you something just natural. Okay. Say some of you, if you're, if you're married or you got a, a friend or whatever, and you go, Hey, you want some ice cream? Yeah, let's get some ice cream. So you go and you bring out the thing and you go to scoop that and you realize there's not very much. Some of you already, oh, now I hadn't, I hadn't even said it yet. And your spirit's already convicting you. Look at that. All right. And so you go to scoop them out and you try to make it kind of equal, but one's just a little bigger than the other. And there's a voice that comes up inside. So, you know, you ought to give that bigger one to your spouse. And there's another voice that comes up and said, 
you know, like the voice I've heard before, it says, you know, your wife doesn't want to gain weight. You should eat the bigger one. (laughs) That would be love. (laughs) And if that doesn't work, you hear something inside says, well, just eat the extra on the one and then they'll be equal. you heard some voices before. Come on. Come on. (laughs) But see, your spirit inside is talking about love. Talking about preferring the other person. Yeah. No, this is a big deal. This is how God speaks to us. And listen, don't you underestimate how important it is to pay attention to your spirit speaking to you and bringing that light of God's word to the situation. Don't think, well, that's not God. It is God. It's His Word lightening up things on the inside, and you're going to expose selfishness, insensitivity, and everything else. And what do you do? You say, you know, I'm going to listen to my spirit. That's what I'm going to do. If you're at work, and you do something, and you make a mistake that it is costly to the company, and really to get that thing rectified, you're going to have to expose that and tell your boss or tell somebody else and expose it so we can all work together and get that thing right so the company doesn't lose too much. And your spirit inside will speak to you and tell you, you know, you need to go tell right away because otherwise that could be bad for the company. And there's another voice that will come up inside. Don't tell anybody because then they'll know you messed up. Which one is the voice of your spirit? Which one is the voice of the flesh? The carnal mind. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Listen, this is one of the ways God speaks to us. Through our spirit, by the light of his word. Through our spirit. And we just need to pay attention and realize that's God talking to us through our spirit. By the word of God. Can you say amen? See, and so this week, this week, this week, let's pay attention to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let's pay attention to the voice of our spirit, which will convict us of things and speak to us and tell us what to do, right and wrong. And let's be in God's word and let his light come in. Can you say amen?